Guys, we're continuing. We started, um, we'll, we'll call it a series. It's not an official series, but we were looking at being a faithful people and, more importantly, how faithful God is to us. We looked at Abraham. We looked at Joseph last week. We started with Daniel. And uh, we're going to stay in the book of Daniel for a little bit and <clears throat> transition to his three friends today. I do have the quote I want to open again with. We had it last week, but again, from Tolkien, says, All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wonder are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. Some of you know that. Some of you don't even know who this author is. But what is amazing about it is good to remember. All that's gold does not glitter. There are things that are much more precious than gold that's not shiny and attractive. Things like the love of the Lord, uh, friendships, uh, being able to worship, being able to stand up and declare our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Many, many things that we can value out there that have no intrinsic monetary value that are more important than gold. Not all those who wonder are lost. We may look like we're lost by the world's standards more and more every day, but we know that we've been found. The old that is strong does not wither. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you're facing. If you're strong in Christ, you're not going to wither. And deep roots are not reached by the frost. I love the, the visual imagery of that. A tree that has roots that runs deep, the frost will never touch those roots. If your roots run deep in Christ, it doesn't matter how frosty it gets in the coming days or years, that that frost won't reach your roots. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, we may continue to do that each Sunday. I won't explain it every Sunday, but just to, to think about, I want to give you something <clears throat> with the scriptures too that you can remember when you start to see things, when you encounter situations, that you have a placement you can go back to and go, this is what we were talking about that Sunday. Let's pray. Almighty God, we praise you that we could be in here today. Father, you are our Father. You are Abba. You know everything about us. You've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Jesus, you went to the cross for us and you forgave are bad and ugly. You forgave us of our sins. We stand here today clean because of you. We stand here today able to receive your word because of you. I pray, Holy Spirit, today that you will be with me as I speak, that I won't say any more than you want me to say, and I won't say any less. And I pray for everyone present that you'll give us ears that we can listen with, uh, minds that we can pay attention, uh, spirits that we can receive what's being said today. Father, you gave us a promise. Your word doesn't return void. We pray today that you'll be here, that your word will be powerful and effective, and it will be preparing us, God, for those moments when we have decisions to make. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so today's passage is from Daniel 3. I actually preached this before. I don't know, it might have been two years ago, but again, it's a different day and age, right? Things have changed. Uh, The title of the passage is Worship the Lord Your God and Serve Him Only. Emphasis on worship, serve, God, and only, right? Do you think that's important? Reason we're told this, because Jesus said this too, it's all throughout scripture, is we are going to be tempted, some are going to demand that we worship things other than God, that we serve things other than God, and our worship and our service goes to God only, and that's the main line of what we're looking at today, okay? So last week, we we talked about Daniel, and we saw how that whenever um, you were pulled into the world, the world's going to try to change you. They tried to enforce dietary things on them to lure them in, to be like them. They gave them new names to try to get them to lose their identity of who they were. But they stood up to it. Daniel was a leader, and um, he was courageous, and his friends followed suit, and a lot of good things happened last week. He's now in a high place in Nebuchadnezzar's court, and his friends have high positions also. Uh, quick view Bible, a couple of comments on themes here. God is in control over world events, kingdoms, and governments. Good to know that, right? God knows everything that's going on in the United States and everywhere else in the world, and he's in charge. God's people can expect persecution, Amen, right? (laughs) Amen. God's people can thrive in difficult times as long as they continue to trust and believe in him. Nothing's going to take your salvation, but it's going to go much better as you continue to trust in him and you believe in him. All right, we're going to see today one of those situations where things did go better. All right, so just as a reminder, the Israelites, God's chosen people, are in captivity now because of their own fault. They had been a lazy 
people who've chosen not to obey God, and they are suffering the consequences. God needs to refine them. They need to be refined. God doesn't need anything. They need it. We read in Daniel 1, 1 through 2, Verses 1 through 2, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Just a reminder, this was God's plan. They had their time, they did not choose correctly, and now God is giving them a time of punishment and refinement that will have a beginning and an end. Okay? God never left them, never forsake them. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. And we're not going to go into all of that because that was last week. We still have it online if you want to go back and see how we discussed it. But he is now doing this thing as his personality would do after what he was told about the statue. And do you remember which part of the statue represented him and his kingdom? The head. And what was it made of? Okay, and there was more of the statue, but that wasn't anything to do with him, right? There was kingdoms that were going to come. But Nebuchadnezzar decides we don't know his thought process. We don't know how long this took. Some think it may have taken 20 years from where we left off. But he has a giant statue erected. A giant statue. uh, 60 kilometers by 6 kilometers. And it's basically 90 feet tall. Okay, So this giant golden 90-foot statue. Probably pretty impressive, right? If you've ever been anywhere, especially overseas, and seen some of these things that man can create, these pagan idols, visually, they're quite stunning, what man can accomplish. But it's just a lifeless piece of metal, probably wood that was coated with gold. So he's made this, and he is now demanding something of everybody. He's demanding that they worship this idol. Okay? There are going to come times when we're in different places and situations where the world's going to demand that we worship or serve this particular idol, and it's not always a golden statue, right? Okay. So we read in Daniel 3, 4 through 6. The king's got to put the word out. Now, Daniel is in the king's court, so he is not here. He's not in the scene. But all the leaders throughout the land have been called because they're going to um, basically initiate this. It's the grand revealing. And we like to make a big deal about new things, right? It's a lot of pomp and circumstance. Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Can you imagine that? They're all, they've been called in. They're at the plain. They're out in this open area. This fantastic, amazing statues erected. What's going on? What are we doing? And then this herald announces, this is what's going down. Now, some people probably thought, okay, whatever. You know, yeah, I'll do it. I want to keep my position. You know what's going to happen if you don't. So they're fine to go along with it. But they know if they don't, they're going to be burned alive, right? Let's, let's, not, let's not just let that just skim by too quick. You know, right now, if you had an option, you can do A or B. B, immediately you're going to be burned alive. You'd be paying attention, right, about why you had to decide. And um, this is not uncommon for Nebuchadnezzar. Actually, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 21 and 22, we know of two men that were actually roasted in fire is the way it is scripted. So he does this kind of thing. They know that he's serious, and he will follow through with it. So they're there, this is going down, and imagine just placing yourself in this scene of what that might feel like. Now these three friends, they've had Daniel as a leader, he gives them a lot of strength, he gives them leadership, but Daniel's not there anymore. Mama's not there, daddy's not there, pastor's not there, prayer partner's not there. Now you got three together, but just imagine this, because oftentimes when your moment comes, you're going to be standing alone, you and God, okay? So the picture of the statue, we got that up yet? I love this picture, and I wish you could see it a little bit better. Speaking, you're not supposed to turn around and and look at your image, but I want to draw attention to this, okay, if you can see it good. So they're surrounded by all kind of people that are bowing down, right? So you imagine in this crowd of people, this statue, they've always been told what's going to happen, and they're supposed to bow down now. You may or may not have been in a position like this before, but you realize, I'm not going to be able to do this. 
So these three men, the way it depicts them, it shows them as younger. You can imagine the uh, awkwardness. You know, one's like this. Oh, here it goes. The other one's just kind of resolved like, oh, we're going to do it. And the other one looks like he might be encouraging them. <laughs> Thank God for the one that's an encourage, right? But they're there in this place with all the others. And the moment has come. The tension of it, okay? Imagine the tension of it. This is not just some happy uh, felt board story for little kids. It's a very important story for us right now. The tension of it, you either worship this thing or you're going to get killed. But you can't worship this thing because that's blasphemous to God because he's the only one that you worship. And these three men knew this. Now, some people will tell you, hey, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. God knows. Okay, God knows. When you, when you, when you pray, just pray to God. Okay? Have you ever run into anybody like that? People will tell you that. There may even be a sermon out there. I don't know. But I think what Scripture tells us today, I believe wholeheartedly, is that doesn't wash. You don't have that, that, that opportunity to go ahead and bow down to the idol, whatever it may be. Okay? Deuteronomy 6.13, which these young men would have known this, it says, You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. All right, so there's the worship, only God. Deuteronomy 10.20 says, You shall fear the Lord your God, and you shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. Now, we really haven't had too many opportunities in our lifetime to face something quite like this, have we? Has anybody in the room ever faced anything quite like this? Okay, when you go overseas, you will run into some situations that are a little strange, that you may have been close to this, but our generation doesn't know about this. Now, many in the world do, and they're dying for it today as we speak. There are more people have been martyred, they say, in the 21st century than in all of history. More Christians have been martyred for the faith. So these men knew this, and they have a moment of decision. And a lot of times, these moments of decision this big don't come suddenly on us. They're little moments. You know, you have little moments of you have an opportunity here. Um, your prayer habit is that you pray before eating, but you're in front of somebody who's not going to pray. Are you going to do it? That's a little moment. Um, you're involved in a conversation with somebody who's gossiping, or they're talking about something you know you shouldn't be involved in. And do you participate? Do you walk away? Do you say something? You have an opportunity to cheat financially on something. You know, maybe they made a mistake at the store. Do you take advantage of it? Or do you tell them, hey, this is mismarked. I hope they let me have it anyway. Sometimes they do that, right? Sometimes when you tell them, and if not, they're like, oh, well, thank you for telling me that. Yeah, that's going to be $50 more than what the price says. You're like, ugh. But I would rather go home knowing I paid the full price than that I cheated somebody out and that God sees this. So we have our, our little moments that get bigger, and then we have our dire moments, and they're in a dire moment. So I have three, three daughters. They're here. And these have been a lot of boy stories, a lot of guy stories. And we talked about that. One of them said, yeah, I'd like to hear about some women too sometime. So I want to give you a modern-day example that doesn't involve overseas martyrs, but here in our, our country. It was in 1999. There was a high school shooting at a school called Columbine that many of us are familiar with, right? I've got a story that you may not know about. You probably think what I'm going to say. But it's a little different. There was a school shooting that left 12 dead and one teacher. All right, so two young men went through that school and, and wounded a lot of people, but left 12 dead and one teacher. And there's a young lady that many people don't know about because she doesn't want to be known about. She tried to stay quiet. She didn't want to be known as somebody associated with that shooting. Her name is Valine Schnur. Um, she's probably 27 or 28 today. I want to read to you briefly from an article in The Guardian about this. Okay? So a modern-day example of what we're hearing in Scripture today. Valine, who had turned 18 six days before, was in the library hiding beneath another table with her best friend, Lauren. They had just been preparing an English presentation on the American Civil War novel, Cold Mountain, and their pencil cases were still on the desk above their heads. Valine remembers Lauren holding her hand tightly. Then, without understanding why, Valine felt her body jerk forcefully. She noticed she was bleeding and would find out subsequently that she had been shot nine times at close range. The force of the bullets pushed me out from under the table, says Valine, now 27. I was in excruciating pain. It feels like fire running through your body. I was saying, oh my God, 
oh my God. And one of them asked me if I believed in God. I said, yes. She's sitting there bleeding out, doesn't know she's going to live. He just shot her already. And he asked, why? I said, my parents brought me up that way. Then she held her breath and closed her eyes, hoping he would leave her to die. The gunman walked away. Valene Schnur was taken to the hospital by ambulance with life-threatening wounds to her chest and abdomen. Astonishingly, she was discharged within a week. Days later, she returned to the school with investigators to help them piece together what had happened. That's a story not to be sensational, but it put us in a placement where we can start imagining you know, what the possibilities are, what we could possibly face. So the time comes, the pageantry of it all, the music. Does anybody love music? I love music. You know, and music can be very manipulative. And imagine the pop and the grandeur of all of this. They're all gathered together. They, they're, they're special people. They were called in. They were invited by Nebuchadnezzar. All they have to do is bow down. How easy is that? Strike up the music. Boom, 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 boom. The drums are pounding. Boom, 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 boom. And they're all getting down. They're looking at it. They're getting down. Okay, they're all going to their knees, except for these three. These three, like, we can't. We can't bow down. And somebody was watching. You know, there's always somebody watching, right? Always somebody watching. The snitch. And so they're going to take care of this because they're jealous anyway, right? Because these Jews shouldn't even be in here amongst us. It's bad enough we've got to put up with them and some of them are higher ranking than us. Now's our chance, fellas. Let's get them. So Daniel 3.12, they went to the king. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you, and they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Do you see the manipulation in this? That's how it works too, right? You know who they're playing to. Now, right off the bat, there are certain Jews. Certain Jews. Okay, we've got to narrow the field down. We've got to find out who's on the team, who's going to worship the false image, and who's not. And when you don't, people are going to take notice. And there are certain Jews here today that did not bow down to the idol. And we got their names. You ever had that when somebody comes to you about something? They got, did you get their names? We got their names. I was in the military. I know about that when someone's in trouble. Something, something, something happened. Did you get their names? We got their names. Well, they had their names here. Imagine when someone's got your name because you were in that moment of decision and you had to decide, am I going to bow down to the idol? Am I going to worship and serve it? Or am I going to stay true to God? I'm staying true to God. Uh, they saw me. And now they've got your name. Sometimes people even walk up and say, I'm sorry, can I have your name, please? And you know what that's about, right? So he's got their name, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. There's no escaping this. And then they're going to play up on the kings. That's how it happens. These men, O king, have, they've disregarded you. These upstart Jews disregarded you, king. They do not serve your gods, king. There's some gods out there right now, little g gods, that people want us to serve, right? They want us to worship. And we have to decide if you're going to do it or not. And when you don't, eventually somebody's going to get your name, and they're going to go to the one who wants you to do it. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. There's a lot of you's there, right? Conversations that have a lot of I in it or a lot of you are ones to pay attention to, huh? So this is how they decide to play it. We're reading Daniel chapter 3, 13 to 14. Nebuchadnezzar did not like this. He's not a man to be trifled with. And he's a man in a powerful position. Are there going to be people in powerful positions much higher than you with authority over you that can take out punishment upon you that will do so when you do not play by their rules? Okay, but as a Christian, we've got to stay true to God, right? The Nebuchadnezzar in rage and anger. What is rage and anger? I know anger, rage must have been really bad, right? He's in rage and anger. He gave orders Bring me Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Get them in here right now. You get in here. You get them in here right now. They're probably out just waiting, right? How much longer do you think it's going to be? It can't be much longer. They got our names. They're going to be calling us. <laughs> then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, 
Is it true? Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? This is even more public now, isn't it? He's not in there by himself with just them. They are brought before Nebuchadnezzar, before him, in front of other people, and now he's asking, is it true? Sometimes we get a second chance, right? A second chance to bow down and serve. And he's giving them a second chance, maybe because he knows the history and he knows who they are, but he's giving them a, a second chance. He said, is it, is it true what you've done? The moment of truth. Have you been there before? Were you going to have to side with God or side with the world? And sometimes it's the little things, sometimes it's the big things. But if we're not doing it in the little ways, we may not do it in the big ways, in the dire times when they come. Is it true? The moment of truth. What would they say? So break a minute. You want to hear another story about a young lady? There's a young lady named Rifka Berry, who is probably, I don't know, she might be 25, 27 right now. She is, um, I didn't know what to call her, a migrant or immigrant. I tried to look it up. Migrants are short-term, immigrants are long-term. Her family brought her over to the U.S. from Sri Lanka with a green card, but it expired and they stayed. They never left. So I don't know what category that puts them in. But they came to America with a green card. And we'll just say they were of a religion that is not Christian by any means. A very strict anti-Christian religion. When she came to America, she started to get exposed to Christianity. And she found out the things that she was told about Christians was not true. And she kept running into a young girl at school, everywhere she went, a young Korean girl. So here's somebody from India, probably feels left out, kind of different from everybody else. And she meets this Korean girl. Every time she turns a corner, there she is. And this Korean girl turns out, praise God, to be a Christian. And she starts to invite her to things, invite her out to eat, invite her to church, answers her questions about Christianity. And she decides at a certain age, I believe she was 12, if I remember right, when she got there at 14, she's been exposed to Christianity enough, she becomes a Christian in her heart. She, she dedicates her life to Christ. She can't believe it. God loves me. God hears me. I can pray to God. I'm accepted by God. She'd never been accepted by her family. She had a deformity in her childhood. Something happened to one of her eyes, and so she was rejected. Some other bad things happened to her family. She was rejected. She never felt appreciated or loved, and now suddenly she's finding strangers that love her because of this amazing Jesus. Okay. So then she goes along keeping her secret for a while from her parents because if she tells them, it will be very very bad, very bad if she tells them what she's done. And at 16, she decided to get baptized. So 14, two years, 16, she gets baptized. They do it very, very secretly. They do it at a river. Only a few people are invited. And it's this fantastic moment. And she takes it very serious. She took her baptism very serious. Now, if you've never been baptized, think about this, how important it was to this young lady from Sri Lanka to declare her faith to somebody. And they even took a stone. They couldn't memorize it, uh, memorialize it in any way. So they took a stone, gave it to her, and she wrote that she was baptized on this day, a name on it, and threw it into the river. So it's still in that river. She goes home. Everything's great for a while, takes a nap, until her dad comes pounding on the door, cursing at her. Opens the door, and he asks her, are you a Christian? And she's terrified because he has been brutal with her, and he has been abusive to her in the past. Are you a Christian? He found out she got baptized. And she has no idea how. She thinks it was Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be careful about that one. And her father yelled. He said, I'm, I'm going to kill you. Do you understand? And he had picked up her laptop, and he had it, and he was going to hit her with it. And so she just remained silent. She was terrified, didn't know what to do. She remained silent. So he did not do any harm to her that day. He was going out of town, and he said, um, I'm going to enroll you in some classes with our religion. We're going to get you in there. It's going to be intensive, and I will have mercy on you if you give up your faith in Jesus. This is in our day and age, okay? This is, this is in America that this is happening. So she has this opportunity, and she's not going to do it because she's met the real Jesus. And as his dad, her dad leaves town, then mom gets a call from the local, we'll just say, religious center, of their religion, and everybody knows about it. So they're putting a lot of pressure. Dad's coming back. Mom said he's coming back. We're going to send you back to Sri Lanka. We're going to put you in an asylum. This is what they're going to do with a 16-year-old. And then she said, I'm sorry that I gave birth to you. 
But she never did recant. She never did repent. What she ended up doing, and it may sound familiar to you, she got help through Christians. And I'm not advocating this. I'm just explaining the story to you. She ran away. And she got some help. But she crossed state borders. And there ends up being a big court case between Ohio and Florida about this. And I won't tell any more because I'm asking my daughters to read it. And I don't want to give away what happened. But let me know if you want to know about this. But this is a real account of a 16-year-old girl who had to forsake family at the risk of death, a risk of being sent back and put in an asylum for Jesus Christ. And she wouldn't do it. Amen. So, back to the boys. Nebuchadnezzar gives them a second chance. He said, now. All right? Now. If you are ready... At the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, very well. So again, there's a second chance. You, 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 can, you can back out of this. You can deny your God. You can worship my God. And, and very well. Things are going to go very well for you. You'll continue to wake up each day. You'll continue to eat good food. You'll continue to have nice living quarters. You'll continue to have your leisure activities even. You'll continue to have responsibility and get paid for your job. Bow down to my idol and things will go very well for you. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? It'd be tough, wouldn't it? I mean, we can say, no, it would not be tough. I don't want to be burned alive. I don't even like getting burnt when I'm cooking on the stove, as seldom as that is. But they have this option. He said, if you don't do it, immediately you're going to be thrown in that furnace over there. And you know I'll do it because I have a history of it. You all know that. You'll be roasted alive. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands. Now, do you think there are people out there today, in this day and age, in those other countries over there, those other countries that think they are more powerful than Yahweh, God Almighty, the Creator. They think they're calling the shots and they're pulling the strings, right? Okay. Do you think there are some people in high places in our country that think they're calling the shots and pulling the strings? And they might wonder, what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Well, let's see. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So first of all, they're explaining, not, not being smart Alex. They're like, we, we don't even have to give you an answer because they know what's going to happen. They're not going to do it, and he's going to throw them in the fire. So we don't even have to give you an answer. This is going to play out, O king. So we don't even have to answer you. But if it be so, our God whom we serve, do you serve a God? Do you serve him? Okay, they were serving him. Even in that, that arena, they were still serving God. If it be so, God whom we serve is able to deliver us. So let's... Let's just stop. This is something that the, when we started talking about Abraham and we started talking about Joseph and Daniel is the idea that we can talk faith all we want. I believe this. I believe that. My God is able. But faith without works is dead. Until you make that step, it doesn't matter, does it? Are you guys with me on this? I can cut it short if you need me to. You know the story. But you know it in context of today and your role and responsibility that you're going to have? If we're not faithful in the little things, if we don't trust God in the little things, the big things come our way, like last year. And then we have to wonder, what God do we serve? What God do we worship? What God do we have faith in? And do we believe he's able to deliver us? They're saying that we know God can deliver us out of your hands, but even if he does not, even if it does not, we're going to be okay. So that's, that's something I think we have forgotten. And that's, that was my concern going into this from last year is, 
it, it looks like the church, if things are going our well, and we have freedoms, and we have blessings, and we're prospering, God is good amen. and worthy to be praised. Okay, I'm going to get another amen over here, though. But when things are not going our way, when our hip's been broken, and then we get COVID, anybody know about that? When the bad things come, I'm, I'm praising my sister. She's still sitting here. She's standing strong, 2021. But when things don't go our way and we're questioning why is this happening, does that tarnish who God is? It just means that our faith, we need to question it, examine it. We need faith like these young men that are saying, God is able to deliver us, but if he chooses not to, all is well with my soul. I wonder how each of us, when we get to heaven, if there's a little thing, you saying it is well with my soul, 532 times. How many times have we sung it? But do we act like it is well with my soul? It can be well with my soul and it can be well with your soul because of him. Only because of him, because of him, because of him. No matter what comes, it can be well with our souls because of God. Because he is faithful. So they're saying he can do this. But if he doesn't, <laughs> we're not going to worship your idol and we're not going to serve it. We're just not going to. Wouldn't you like to have some chutzpah like that? You know, not, not going to do it. I'm not doing it. He's going to throw us in a furnace, but I'm not going to do it. Imagine making that stand. I know you're going to burn me alive, but I'm not going to do it. I know you're going to fire me. I know I'm not going to get this benefit I've been getting. I know I'm not going to get that, but I'm not going to do it. Because I serve a God who is eternal, and I'm spending eternity with him, and this is just a brief moment here, so I'm not going to trade this for that. So they're like, we're going to go ahead and go into the fire. They trusted Michael Wright and Nick. I like what he said. They trusted the Lord to decide their destiny while still being faithful to him. They were faithful to him, and they trusted God to determine their destiny. Not, not man, not woman, not themselves. They trusted God to determine their destiny. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? Heat it up, man. I want that furnace two, three, seven times hotter than normal. Pitch these boys in there. So they went and got some valiant warriors, some big guys. Went and got the big guys. They tied them up. They had all their clothing on like earlier. They had their caps, everything on. Took them just like that, tied them up. Took them to the furnace. It's so hot that the big guys died right there. And they just dropped them in. Boom, boom, boom. Can you imagine when they hit? Boom. Ashes come up, sparks are coming up, flames comes up even higher. Bam, bam, bam. They're all down there laying there. Ow! The ropes are burned off of their hands. They stand up. They're not singed. They're not being burned alive. We don't even know if they were hot. We don't even know if they were, it broke a sweat while they were in there. <laughs> so imagine that moment when you put it all on the line. I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you, God. Sometimes God will decide otherwise, but this is one of those incredible stories. Just like that young lady, she didn't deny God, and within a week, she was out and back at the crime scene helping the officers identify what happened. But these young men had faith. They get dropped in the fire, and they're still alive, and they're not being burned up. It, Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded. <laughs> He's astounded, but it takes a lot to astound him. Right? He was probably, he's like, take him. He's probably over there drinking some fruit drink. Somebody's fanning him. You know, they're getting ready to sign some documents. Are they burned yet? Okay, let me know. And then they find out what's going on. Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. And he said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast into the fire? We bound them and cast three into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. He said, Look! Look! Don't you want to do something someday for God that somebody says, Look! Boy, I want to do that. Look! Look at what they're doing. I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. That's incredible, isn't it? Look! They had faith. They could have bowed down and the story would have been over, right? They had their second chance. They could have bowed down. The story would have been over. They could have been burned up. But God said, no, I'm doing something. 
And I'm teaching everybody something here today about faith and making a stand for Jesus Christ as he made a stand for us. There was a fourth one in the fire with them. We don't know. Some think it's Jesus, an angel. All we know is their ropes were burned off. There was a fourth one in there with them. They're walking around. They get pulled out of the fire. They don't smell like smoke. They're not singed. Not a hair on their head has been touched. And they're completely fine. Can you imagine seeing that? Imagine if you were one who bowed down and didn't want to, and you were uncomfortable with it, and then you saw what they did. I wish I'd stood with them. Imagine if you were one who told on them and took their name down. I'd be getting scared I was going in the fire after that, right? But they made a stand, and it's similar to something that's written in Isaiah and in Hebrews. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 2, it says, But now thus says the Lord your Creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. God knows your name also. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. So stop being so afraid to get in the water if you can't swim, or to walk through the fire that you're going to get burned. Right? Am I just pushing my own stuff on you, my own thoughts and my own interpretations? It's because of God, not because of us. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 through 6, for he himself, capital H, capital he, capital himself, has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. That's a promise. God's saying, I'll never desert you. I will never forsake you. Isn't that amazing? Did you come here today to hear that? God's saying, I'll never desert you, never forsake you, so that we confidently say, we, here's our part, here's what we confidently say, not some of this unconfidence that we've been speaking a lot about lately. The Lord is my helper. How do you do that? How did you do that? How did you get through that? Oh, it wasn't me, man. I wanted to crack. I would have been drunk by day two if it was me. I would have sold my household and my kids too. But it's God, because the Lord is my helper. I'm sorry, did I offend anybody? Do you got some things that you would turn to real quick if it wasn't God? Well, stop there. That was where, that was the answered prayer. Don't say anymore. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What? I will not be afraid? <clears throat> I'd like to pound right now. Eve told me one time I hit the podium and I said, wake up. And he said, you know, if you hit it, just be sure you're hitting it for the right reason. I'd like to hit it right now, but this thing will collapse. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. Why do we get so afraid, church? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Now, we know he can burn you alive, right? But the idea is that eternally he can't do anything to us. And why not just go ahead and go with it? Because you might have a big witness and somebody says, look, look what she just did. Look what he did. These were young girls, right? Modern day examples. And today we're going like, look, look what she did. So worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God. You have to decide who is your God. You worship him only, and you serve him only. In their moment of decision, the three men declared, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You may have to say such things this year. And maybe you won't. Now, some others that had similar things to say in our last portion here is Jesus had something to say about this. Should we listen to him? Paul had something to say. Peter had something to say, along with all the apostles. These are... These are these are valid people we can listen to, right? One is God, <laughs> so we can listen. Now, remember Jesus, after he was out in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, right? Who came to him? Satan. Satan, the tempter, wants to lull you to sleep. Not hear the rest of the sermon. I'm glad Jesus wasn't just sleeping through the temptations. Satan came up and, and was tempting him. If you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread because our tummies get hungry, right? 
You won't like me when I'm hungry. We'll sell out all kind of stuff for a meal, right? Jesus said, man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Satan said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And now here's the deal. Matthew 4, 8 through 11. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Slick, right? Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Jesus faced the same thing, right? He said, nope, worship God only, serve God only. But Satan wanted that worship. Do you know that Satan wants your worship? He wants your worship. He wants my worship. He's going to keep trying. He wants all you over that side too. He wants your worship. Satan does. The fallen angel. You may think you're a nobody, you're nothing in this play. This big program of world things. This big chess match. Well, it's not. It's God's plan and God's program and it's already been determined. But in the midst of it all, Satan wants your worship. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus through his blood, you need to think about that because you're already worshiping and serving Satan if you don't have the blood of Christ on you. Now, Paul had something to say about it. There were false teachers going around telling them about a different gospel. We're, we're about done here in about eight minutes, so you guys don't, don't get nervous. The different gospel. He said, you're already going after this other gospel. Don't do that. And then they reminded them, Paul said, for I am... For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant or slave of Christ. Now this is where it gets real, right? You can't probably place yourself with some of these other things, but right here, am I seeking the favor of men or of God? Okay? Am I striving to please men? Now you're going to get an opportunity. I'll mark my word on this. I'm not a prophet and I'm not giving a prophetic word. But you can look at what's going on. You're going to have opportunity for this to decide, are you going to please men or please God? And I guarantee you on this one too, there are going to be churches. As this thing starts to settle and churches start to come back together, I, I believe with all my heart that you're going to have pastors that are going to start seeking the favor of men instead of God. And they're going to strive to please men instead of God. They're going to want to be on the right team and they're going to want to get the benefits that come from it. And they're going to do that by choosing to worship and serve that false gospel instead of God. Do you, okay. Now, <laughs> we're almost out of time. All right, let's move on to uh, Peter and the apostles. So they're out and about. Holy Spirit has come. Woo, they're out there preaching. They're doing stuff. They're getting attention. They're getting arrested. Oh, arrested. Think about that one. Throw me in the fire. I'll do it at the time. It'll be quick. Who wants to get arrested? I saw a man get arrested last year because he was singing praise songs out in public. Pastor, he has since been released. He got cuffed. He got taken to jail. Never in our country. Would you be willing to choose God knowing that you could be arrested? Would you be willing to come in this church to worship and serve him only knowing that you could be arrested? So Peter and the apostles get arrested and they're told, we forbid you. The government officials, the leader said, we forbid you to speak in this name anymore. You are forbidden. Is that happening in other countries right now? Okay. Are Christians over there having to deal with it? Are they um, thumbing their nose at it and saying, I'm choosing God and getting arrested? Yep. Yes, they are. Okay. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Now, I won't expand on this too much because there's some things that we have to do. You know, we pay our taxes and we do things, and I'm not going to play on this and talk about all kinds of scenarios, but we know when it comes down to it, if you're having to make a decision about obeying God rather than men, Right? 
I thank God that I live in a state that did not forbid us to go to church. I've been so thankful over the last year to the state of Arizona and the leadership that this church was not shut down so that we could freely come to this church. Mm. What happens a day comes when you can't come to church. But we're going to meet anyway. Now some of you quit coming already and you didn't even have that threat. We must obey God rather than men. Be wise in your decisions. I understand there are circumstances involved, but sometimes in the history of the world and in the future of the world, standing up for Jesus Christ may actually cost us something. Could be a position, a title, could be money, could be friendship. Could be our lives. So worship and serve. Matthew 10, 28, 33, last verse. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Okay? Jesus is talking to us. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Can any man in here, any man in the world anywhere kill your soul? No. Okay. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, that's heavy stuff, and it's true, but now listen to the love buffered in here. I want my girls to hear the love in here. I'm not pounding fear, fear, fear. I want you to hear the love too. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now we talked about hair a little bit earlier, didn't we? When they came out of the fire, not a hair was singed, right? And God today knows your name. As you sit here, he knows your name and he knows every hair on your head. He knows how many hairs you have. They're all numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. If we confess him before men, he's confessing us before the Father. That's just beautiful, isn't it? That's amazing. Who are we to get that representation? Jesus Christ speaking for you. Father Gene just stood up for you. He just confessed you. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So we need to be prepared for the moments, the little moments and the big moments that are going to come along our way. I'm not going to be a naysayer, but you may have an opportunity to put this in practice, to get your on-the-job training in little and big ways. And we have to start asking ourselves, if we haven't been passing the test in little ways, what, what do we need to do? God, help us to step up, help us to have the faith to be a child of yours, and to live a life like you would have us live. We need to know who our God is, whom we serve, and know that he is able to deliver us. He is. He is. He is. He is. If you get a diagnosis in this congregation that you have cancer, if you get a diagnosis that you have COVID in this congregation, if your spouse is going to leave you and you're getting into divorce, God is able to take care of you. God knows your name and he loves you. He may not keep you together. He may let COVID take you. He may deliver you from cancer, but he might do it through the hands of a doctor or he could do it miraculously. But we don't cow down in fear and we don't bow down when the music plays. When the music plays, that's our cue to stand up. Because he stood up and hung for us, didn't he? He will deliver us one way or another. I'm not ready to go yet. I still got kids to raise, grandkids to see. I want to be here for a long time. But I do know that he will deliver us one way or another. He's either going to deliver you from the fire or he's going to take you on up into heaven out of Nebuchadnezzar's hands. Okay? And even if he does not deliver us in the way that we hoped, we're not going to worship the golden image or serve the false gods. Are we, church? No. Okay, God knows your heart. He knows what we're talking about today. He knows what you're going to face. I feel like we're in the locker room, right? Okay? Ready? Get out there. I worship God only and serve him only. I want, I want my children to hear this. I want them to hear this. Don't you? Yes. Deep roots won't be touched by the frost, right? If you got some frost in your hair, you should have some deep roots by now. 
If you don't, start pushing down. Start sinking deep roots into the Lord. Okay? All that's gold does not glitter. We have something far, far better. And I believe we have been blessed. We've had things that we have to be sensitive about in the last year. Things that have happened that I don't make light of. We have serious threats. Life-threatening things. But when we see a brother or sister in Christ who goes on to be with the Lord, we can celebrate because he has delivered them in a way that they get to be with him now and we're still here. If we're still here, if you've survived something, then he's still got something for you to do, right? We got a sister in Christ right now. I'll tell you, Iva, Miss Blue Eyes, she's got the prettiest blue eyes I think I've ever seen. Um, She's physically not doing well right now, right? But that woman's testimony, my goodness, you should hear her faith right now. She can tell you what's going on, bad, 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 and she'll give you the good, good, good. She said, but I know I am, she goes, I know I've been forgiven. I know God loves me. I know I'm going to be with him. In the face of all that's going on, she won't bow down and worship fear. She won't bow down and, and worship medicine or, or doctor's prognosis and all. She's keeping her eyes on Jesus Christ. And um, she blessed me this week. I'm like, thank you, sister, for telling me that. Okay, Let's pray, and then Roger's going to come up. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> you are faithful, God. Jesus is real, and he's alive. And you told us that these days would come. They've actually always been here. But sometimes the pressure's going to get more intense. I pray first, God, that you'll help us to see what's going on around us and help us to process it, help us to understand I pray, God, that we will have uh, courage in the face of something the world tells us we should be afraid of, that we have courage and that we will see opportunities to stand up for you, God, that you will actually give us opportunities, God, where we can do things that people can look at us and say, wow, look at that. Look what she did. Look what he did because of God. We praise you for that, God. I thank you for the peace that you give us. Peace that goes beyond everything, that knowing whatever we face, no matter how bad it looks, Father, we praise you that, Jesus, you know our name, you know the, the, the hairs on our head, and that you've got this. And I pray that you'll help us, Holy Spirit, to trust the Father with our lives, to trust him, to keep moving forward, and to seek out what you have for us, God. I pray, God, that we can see um, still opportunities and adventure and life, God. There's still life to be had and things to be done in the name of Jesus. We praise you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.